It's about history. It's about preservation. It's about sense of place here on Eastern Long Island. With Esperanza Leon, I'm Erwin Levy, and this is Our Hamptons. Esperanza. Hello, Erwin. You know, here it is. Um, we've had such a winning formula since we began our Hamptons. So much so that I was actually thinking of uh, doing an IPO and going public because our formula was so good. And here we are <laughs> deviating from, you know, something that's successful. But I think this first initial guest at our Hamptons is worth it, don't you? Uh, yes, it was time to mix it up, and this guest is going to be a fun mixing up. And uh, this particular guest, this is like an old game show we're doing right now, as if uh, you know, you know, like we're, we're all of this buildup. But, but this particular guest um, is certainly like-minded. Anyone that's following our Hamptons, and a lot of the people that follow our Hamptons follow our special guest. So why don't we? Without further ado, bring in the founder of Build and Kind East Hampton and our friend, Jane Marin. Hi, Jane. Hello, Erwin. Hi, hello, Jane. Esperanza. Hi, Hi. I'm flattered and excited to be your first guest because I am a super fan of oh our Hamptons podcast. Oh, <laughs> oh, I can't take it. It's like so... I, it, it, I'm verklempt. Esperanza, we don't we don't really let anyone that's not a super fan of our Hamptons into the our Hampton <laughs> well, studios. Well, gee, no, do why we? would we? No, <laughs> exactly. But no, Jane, we really are serious. But um, excited to have you here, and really, yes. we're excited to have you here because you know you are like minded. I mean, if you listen to the opening of our Hamptons, we're about history, we're about preservation, we're about sense of place, and. I guess that's hey Esperanza. I did the segue. Um, I, I I think I, I think that's really a good place to start because um, that's sort of what your mission is, isn't it, Jane? It is. Um, needless to say, I have East Hampton in the name of my organization, so I am very focused on East Hampton, the town of East Hampton, um, and you know, when we sort of get in a little more to the mission and mandate and my objectives, right, it is about how, in my mind, we develop our land and we use our land um, and how that um, protects, but also enhances our sense of place in East Hampton. And there's historic preservation, there's all other things, you know, sort of tied tied into that. Exactly. You know, Esperanza and I always often talk about this. Uh, a lot of what we talk about on our Hamptons tends to be six degrees, seven degrees of separation. I mean, it, they're really, yes. a lot of things are linked, right, Esperanza? Would you uh, agree? Absolutely. And I'm just, I'm I'm looking at this quote that you have on your website, actually, and I'm thinking how important, you know, all of this, this conversation and this initiative that you have taken it is about community, right? Mm -hmm. And so this quote says, when we see land as a community to which we belong, we may begin to use it with love and respect. Mm -hmm. 
Right. That's the Aldo Leopold quote, right? Yes, exactly. Aldo Leopold. And I just think that is such an apt quote to use. And also, I think Erwin and I, without with this, these conversations that we have are really centered around community and how important that is to us. So it's amazing to draw that parallel of seeing land as being so integral to community. Right. Right. What we what we build on it, what we what how we landscape it, what we extract from it, what we take away from it and how what we do, um, you know, lines up with and is compatible. And I don't necessarily mean the architecture is lockstep, you know, with what's what's happening, but how it's compatible and 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 all the individual pieces create a whole. Um, Yes. And. Or, I mean, maybe we'll get in and talk about, you know, ownership rights and and things like that and, you know, how those are balanced by the rights of others and the community and a, and a stewardship, you know, responsibility. Right, right. It's my favorite, you know, phrase. It's for the greater good. You know, right. Esperanza, she's a segwayer also. I'm a segwayer. She's a segwayer also because we, we definitely are going to get into you know, a lot of those topics. And I, and I happen to love the Aldo Leopold quote also. And, and Esperanza, I think, suffice to say, uh, building kind's motto could also even be William Pickens of Sag Harbor Hills. of Sands, Exactly. Right. Yes. Uh, you know, it's community. about community, yeah. not commodity. And I will tell you, Jane, now I've look, I love your mission and I'm I'm blown away, you know, I've always known about it. You know, we follow each other on Instagram and I read a lot of your posts and I've been to your website, but in preparing today, I spent a little more time on your website than I did. And I know Esperanza did as well. It is incredibly impressive body of work already. Uh, I mean, like these things, and I just even love Esperanza. She, Jane talks about the, really the definition of building kind. And if we really wanted to break that down, Jane, it's really replace it with an appropriate footprint. I mean, if I wanted to sum it up in four words, isn't that sort of what the mantra is? Well, yeah, I mean, the term building kind is sort of a a standard term that's used within um, permitting, Mm -hmm. um, you know, building building permits. um, And a, a building kind is to, you know, you might knock it down, but you are replacing it basically in the footprint and, you know, sort of a like for like, it's, it's a much more low impact way of, you know, developing and, but I'm using, I'm taking some poetic license, you know, with the, with the phrase and, you know, it's a, the kind part is a bit of a double entendre, right? Of course. Of course. Kind to each other and to land and ecosystems and our resources. Now, is it uh, now we know you live in Beechampton and I'm, uh, and you'll probably get into this as we move along. Is that what led you to this to where you are now, Jane, like just seeing um, the development? I mean, why don't you give our audience uh, a background to it, if that's sure. a, if that's an appropriate place for to, to get. Yeah, into definitely. I mean, even when this all started. Right. Yeah, because I'm I'm very curious to know what happened. To trigger this, but also when building kind actually came into being it it is um the journey started a little bit earlier it kind of like started when i got my dog and Mm -hmm. you know she was a hound and she likes to sniff and she likes to explore so 
I started taking her all over town. You know, we'd go to different neighborhoods. We'd go to different trails. And, you know, over the last five years, every time I walked into a neighborhood or onto a street, I was seeing the same thing again and again, Mm -hmm. right? Houses were being demolished. New things were going up that, you know, were of a scope and scale that seemed so out of context and out of proportion. And I was sort of, wow, this is happening all over. Um, And then living in Amagansett before I even get close to home in Beachhampton, you know, what's happening in the lanes of Amagansett, those four beautiful, you know, used to be low key ruralish roads that connect our two historic districts in Amagansett, um, you know, basically being ravaged um, by significantly extensively large redevelopment. And yes, then within Beachhampton, which is a place that I've been connected to since I was a teenager and love dearly, um, now we're really starting to see the pressures kick in um, down here. And really the thing that put me over the edge was right at the end of my block, a beautiful um, old building called the Pink Houses, um, which were built in 1940 from the first structures in Beachhampton, were demolished to be redeveloped. And a house of, of monolithic you know, aspect and proportion was built right at the end of my block. And that's that moment where I started asking the question that many other people do, which is, how does this happen? How do these things get built? Who allows these things to happen? Um, And that really kicked me before I started um, Building Kind. I spent about a year in COVID watching every meeting possible. I watched zoning (laughs) board meetings and ARB meetings. And and, see, I knew you, Esperanza, before you before we even met. (laughs) Um, And and town board meetings. And I started reading code and I really spent a year just trying to educate myself to understand And then finally, what I realized to get to the meat of how I started building kind, I couldn't just keep walking around, you know, mumbling to myself, I can't believe this is happening and feeling frustrated. And, you know, I did what you've done and and so many other community groups have done and just say, I need to take some action. I need to find a way to channel (laughs) this frustration this, you know, sort of sense of loss and grief in a way and put it into, all right, how do we make change? What kind of change is possible to make? And you, and and you mentioned also um, the other groups, even uh, this is a mission of the like-minded Jane and I, and Anna we batter that term around a lot and we are, it's, it's the meetings of the like-minded, but it really is true. You know, you are talking about Amagansett Lanes, Esperanza, if you recall our first episode, way back when, Hill mm, yeah. and Handy Lane, yes. which was is pro- one of the most glaring examples of, of everything Jane right. is talking about. And, and Jane, reading, you know, reading your website, you know, there are two words you bring up here, um, you know, especially when we get into that whole six pillars that you talk of, about zoning and mindset. And, and those mm-hmm. really are the two buzzwords, Esperanza and I on our Hamptons, um, I guess we can substitute or interchange mindset with respect because Mm -hmm. that's really so much of what's going on here because we share your frustration. And I guess Esperanza, would you say for us, this is sort of 
an outlet for us? It, we, you mean what is the, an outlet? I'm sorry. An outlet, in other words, like this, this is this whole this. Oh, is oh, the our the podcast, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I think that is exactly as as Jane just said. It's uh, it's our way of dealing with, as you called it, you know, a sense of grief of what's being lost, of what's changing, what you know, especially in the last five to 10 years in particular. And then in the last, just in the last two to three years, it's been astronomical. And, and Jane, I don't, and I don't want you to, and I don't, you know, and I, I put this, I have a little note I made to myself here in bold letters. I didn't even share this with Esperanza, but I'm going to put it out there, not even necessarily to get into totally, you know, right now, but it's something I've been thinking about. And I think Esperanza and I might've touched on it, you know, periodically. Is it too late? Mm. You know, like, are we, yes, this is great work that you are doing and a lot of people are doing, and there are other like-minded organizations that are starting to get angry and starting to, and starting to address this. But um, that's a consideration. Are we too late? Yeah. Are we, are we past the point of no return? And I would say just before you answer that chain, I mean, also, I think, you know, we're talking about other, you know, if you want to call it activists in the community who are dealing with not only these uh, developments that are structures that are being built, replacing historic ones or replacing smaller ones. It's also how we are dealing with our environment. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what you are talking about also with Build in Kind, you know, extensive lawns, the ornamentals everywhere, how we how we can deal with that. And those are the activists that are coming out as well. And I just, I want to come back to the point on the um, like-mindedness and and again, the purpose and your question was important, Erwin, like it is, this is an outlet. It is a way of like, okay, how am I channeling my own, you know, energies and some, but it's also the key thing I want to stress is that we, we can't all just, even as we're like-minded, we tend to just talk amongst ourselves right. or we post was, on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sole purpose, the key purpose of building kind is to engage other like-minded people, to engage and educate citizens that I know are feeling the same thing, but rather than talk amongst ourselves, right, um, yes. you know, horizontally, we all need to be talking vertically. And by that, I mean, we need to be communicating to our board, um, our our town board um, with respect to the code and what changes can be made. And also, you know, individually when we can, as members of the public weigh in with the different zoning board, ARB, I mean, ARB doesn't really take public comment, right? The planning board. So I just wanna, um, you know, for people listening, right? The goal is that we, People, it can't just be you and me and a few other people who say it. Um, the way things work, the way politicians, you know, work, they have to hear it broadly. These concerns across the public, and that's really part of what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to educate, engage, and then teach people. Like you have to, you know, you have to speak up too, because otherwise, this is going to be a very hard issue to tackle. And to your point. I would like to say we're not too far gone, but we're pretty far gone and time is of the essence. You know, if if we're going to change zoning code, it can't take, it can't be a five-year study. Right, yeah. Like, no. 
uh, turning and, it over and focus grouping and consultants, right? This and, is something that really needs to happen in the next six months, six and, to 12 months. And to your point, Jane, um, you're right. We agree. You're, preaching to the choir is easy. Uh, yeah. And yeah. it's, a, and it's a great vent session. Hey, let's, let's sit around and have a beer and just, we keep it clean in our Hamptons. Just stand in the uh, parking lot. And just, and just, like I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say blank and moan. I'm going to say vent and gripe because we keep, we keep it clean on our Hamptons. But, you know, I, I love your six pillars and it's something Esperanza started to get, get into a little mm. bit. And I want to add to that because it, it's so much of, there are just so many issues that boil down and, and zoning zoning is really a meaty topic. I mean, we could do, you could do a mini series on zoning, but it, it, I, I want to almost focus more rather than getting into the nuts and bolts of zoning on the mindset. Cause this is a subject Esperanza and I really dwell on. We've all seen the ad, you know, and this was in Esperanza's backyard in Wainscott of the 17 bedroom, 15 bath house on hollow road. Who needs that? That's a question I'll I'll never figure out. And Jane, looking on your website and especially in your work of art blog post, which by the way was a work of art. My gosh, it was it was a thing of beauty. But reading and the way you dissected, and I think this is a, a, a place I'd like to go. The way you dissected that ad for four seventy two further lane, which mm -hmm. to your point, this is not down some quarter mile driveway this was the intersection of further lane and indian wells highway which is my route to the ocean mm -hmm. from springs and if twelve thousand square feet isn't enough you can build 20 not to mention the below grade hey esperanza <sighs> amenities it's just uh, painful the babble Oof. can we and can we say can we say it properly it's amenities ah. <laughs> right. yeah yeah, uh, um, yeah exactly I, I don't know I, I i you know jane we're from queens we don't really yeah. need, we don't really know much about uh, about amenities we don't need amenities but okay <laughs> and anyway <laughs> anyway but that kind of thing and you really broke that down well uh, you know how you read some of these real estate ads and that ad that specific one wasn't an exception. That was a rule. That's how mm -hmm. they all read. Uh, they they extol and you 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 said it. You put it out so beautifully on this. They extol the the virtues of the land and the beauty of the land, and then <laughs> the ability to clear the land. Yeah, the ability to completely devastate and destroy right. it. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, Esperanza, what are we missing here? I, I yeah, I don't I don't understand it either. I I can't wrap my brain around the people writing this and i understand it's an advertisement so i yeah. they're trying to sell something but can't you just sell it cleanly and say this is the most beautiful corner lot on you know and it just ex describe it the historic place da 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 just needs to maybe have some upgrades to make it 21st century living right and 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 and, and again it gets why is everything a, de a demolition derby and why oh. is it and what is this and Again, I mean, this is not, I mean, I don't want to, this is the psychology of it, but this mindset to use, mm -hmm. to use Jane's word and, or the respect, there's such a lack of respect with the housing, with building a structure that impacts your neighbors, which is one of your other pillars, Jane, how a towering house impacts. Right. So, uh, you know, the mindset is changing 
And but but there's something very specific and tangible as a dynamic that is happening um, that is forcing this change of mindset. And that is um, and I don't have the exact numbers and I'm not going to geek out here with data. That's for another time. But over the last five years and the reason this feels like it's accelerating is because there's been an intense incursion building primarily now is done by speculative investors. Yes. yes. Some of them are here, some of them are away. So what's happened is all the buying of land and the redevelopment of it is meant for those individuals, you know, the builder, the developer, um, and the real estate brokers that they are partnering with mm -hmm. to maximize their profit and extract it for themselves in as fast a time as possible. And so respect is not on their mind because it's just a financial transaction to be in and out maximized as, as fast as possible. And so that's why they're clearing everything. They're building as big as they can, corner to corner, up and down and below, right? Everything, because every square inch in their mind um, increases the, you know, the, the, potential to sell it for an even bigger process. And that is infecting the real estate community and those ads and the overall mindset. And so they don't think about neighbors. That's but, not in their algorithm. But Jane, I have a question here. Esperanza, I'm sorry. Did I? No, no, I, no. Okay, not Jane, I, now, I'm not going to play devil's advocate, but I'll, I'm going to play devil's advocate for one second. I uh, I lived up island in Great Neck, which is a place that had not the development pressures that this one does, but similar. Um, and I had a, a friend of mine who was a small builder, uh, not a not a large scale, uh, really built, bought a piece of property, developed it and then went on to the next. And we used to have this argument 20 years ago. Why you been? It was the question was, why are you building these houses so big? And he used to say this line to me all the time. Irwin, if they wanted 1800 square feet, that's what I'd build them. No one wants that. So hmm. That's, and I guess the point of that whole is about the mindset. I, I guess we can't change the mindset of a spec builder. He's, he's got no connection. He or she has no connection to this community, you know, so. Right. But your point is that the mindset is big house living, like yeah. whether yeah. it's your first, you know, your primary home or your yeah. second or third home or whatever it is, it has to be. Look at 3, me. 3,000 square feet and up, a monument to yourself. And look at me. Look at what I've achieved. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and the hell with Poseyville, the hell with whomever. Right. The, you know, the, you guys know this, the American mindset around house, houses has always been extraordinary relative to everywhere else on the globe, right? You can go back 50 years, 40 years, 30 years, and you can see, you know, the average U.S. house size is like, three or four times what it is, you know, in, in other developed economies, oh, right? And so it's all shifting up. Needless to say, there's been enormous amounts of wealth creation and concentration of capital that's feeding into it. But there's also research that shows that decisions about how big to build and um, uh, property values are not absolute based it's about relative size. And so 
that's why this feels like it's accelerating because, ah, well, we went from 3,500 square foot houses being the average new builds. And then they went to 5,000 and now they're at, you know, they went to 6,000 and now there's a whole slew of, you know, 12, 15, 18,000 square feet. So it's, it's this, um, it is a competition. It is, you know, very much the conspicuous consumption, but at, you know, such an on steroids, yeah. Level. And mm-hmm. and unfortunately, you know, our code our I'm not going to get into code, but code hasn't really changed that much in 20 years in terms of the dimensions that are allowed. But to your point, Erwin, you know, until more recently, people didn't even come close to building the maximum allowables because the mindset was different because it was people who maybe had owned land for a long time or knew the community well or thought about the breeze and the trees, right? Um, And it's ironic because we're in a period of climate emergency and sensitivity. And yet, you know, the, the, the impact of building on all sustainability climate, energy, consumption is so extraordinary um, now, even though things are, people are more sensitive about it. Are they really though? I would ask that. Ah, Well, right. Because I always make the, not the joke, it's the observation of a person in a very large house with a pool and all the amenities and they use the towels by the pool. They just drop them and they, you know, keep using them throughout the day and someone picks them up and keeps washing them throughout the day. And there's a lot of consumption there as far as water and the, you know, detergents going into the water and so forth and electricity, blah, 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 blah. But I am sure they're using seventh generation. Mm So, you know, and so they think they're doing their part and driving Teslas. And dri- yes, yes, right. exactly. Like, it's so, oh, day, that's but... my my contribution. But the mindset really requires a huge shift. And how, you know, to me, I think you're totally right about uh, taking these points to the public realm of taking them to the town board and to the politicians and, and the agencies that um, that work with the zoning laws and so forth. But I'm also of the mind that I just, whenever I can, when I can, I'm speaking individually to people because it is amazing, actually, that they just, it's like people are on autopilot and they don't even realize that what they're doing or what a future action that they might take is going to be detrimental to our community. And I, I, I take those opportunities. I think that that's part, like there's a grassroots side of this. I think you, you are doing that as well, but I think that has to be something that our government has to also do much more intensely. I mean, changing hearts and minds. I mean, you will do it. I'll do it. I'll write about it. I'll talk about it, but it's, it's a painstaking process. And the issue is that a lot of the, the mindsets belong to a lot of people who might be here 20 days a year exactly um, or not here or um you know you deal a lot with gates and fences in your when you're on the architectural mm-hmm. review board and you know we look at those things from the outside but what's happened is people are literally fencing themselves inside yes yes compounds and they don't even know they have neighbors even though they're right yeah, <laughs> no, there's a total isolation component here which goes to the point of 
what we were talking about at the start about community, because the more people isolate themselves in their big homes with these 17 bedrooms or whatever it is mm-hmm. where, you know, you need like you're they're texting each other probably between rooms. <laughs> I don't know. Like there's an intercom. I can't figure it out. Walkie talkies. Um, Honing pigeons. I mean, uh, so yeah, I don't know. Smoke signals. I can't figure it out. But, you know, I find that's isolating, you know, because if you have, oh, but they have a great room. But still, it's like there's all these rooms that they have to escape to and everybody's isolated in their rooms. And then on top of that, they have yards where they're isolating themselves from their neighbors and from, you know, the prying eyes of anybody who's oh. out. Well, I, well, I mean, I, I mean, this is, now this is, um, and Esperanza and I have often meant, said how one day we have to have a an episode of Our Hamptons about pet peeves. But one of my biggest pet peeves and this is a, this goes right into mindset, right into everything else is the screening because, and Jane, you mentioned this on your website, uh, you know, in, in the six pillars section, how it, when, when this mindset of screening, and this is what it's to extend Esperanza's point, you're screening yourself in, but you're not only screening yourself in, you're sort of neighbors be damned. I'm blocking your view shed. I'm blocking the view. I'm blocking the vista that was here for so many years for everyone walking by, biking by, or driving by because I want to screen myself in. It does get back to mindset and respect in such a big way, as does the proliferation of lawns. And to this point, we're talking about all of these things with uh, government and everything else. How about if a landscaper hired by one of these people in a place like Beach Hampton would just say, no, I'm not putting a lawn there. No, I'm not putting up island landscape on a dune. How about that? We're a little lucky in Beach Hampton because the fragility of our our wetlands and dune lands means that a lot of anything that is going to get expanded or redeveloped does have to go to the zoning board for a special review for special natural resources permits. And now that board is being very specific about saying no sod lawn, no ornamentals, irrigation only here. The point is what happens once the thing is built and then, you know, the landscaping company comes in. It's, you know, it's that drip, drip, drip that or clip, clip, clip of of the, you know, plantings. Um, It's it's too big, you know, to back to your question, are we too far gone? We're we're too big to be able to fully rein in all these different people that tend to properties that build them that upkeep them that landscape them you know that irrigate them um and that is a huge challenge for helping to rein this rein this back in um which is why i keep coming back to this very tangible goal of people aren't necessarily going to opt back into being great stewards of their land and so, unfortunately, the code has to change because the the point of zoning code is is its 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 sole purpose is to balance the interests of neighbors and community with the you know private landowning rights of an individual, yeah. and we just have to move. You know, we we're gonna have to, I believe, change those allowances to 
bring more, I'm going to call it balance back to development. And also it's not a matter of my opinion or yours. It's right there in the comprehensive plan and, you know, and different parts of the code that says it is the responsibility of the town board to protect the rural character, character. of the and, community. And, exactly. and Jane, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to hold it right there for a minute because I think this is, this is a Jane Maring segue, Esperanza, but we're going to it, use yes, it. Yes, it was a perfect We're going to use it, and it's a good one, because we want to start cute. wrapping this up. Um, and we do want to focus on a community that has been doing something about it. We only have a few minutes left. Mm -hmm. um, so I just want to touch base on this. Um, and I want you to, I want, this is a project between the Wayne Scott Heritage Project mm -hmm. and Build in Kind. Right. Um, and I want to spend a couple of minutes about this. Um, so Jane, Esperanza, why don't we talk about this film that's going to be coming on October 8th at the LTV studios and the incentive behind it, uh, the storyline behind it. Um, so Jane, I'm going to turn it over to you and Esperanza. To yeah. Ahead. And all that, I mean, Jane, you can lead the way on this because you brought it to my attention and I just immediately, you know, brought it to our group uh, with Wayne Scott heritage project. And we just immediately said, this is something that we need to do. So Take it away because this okay. film is phenomenal and I can't wait for October 8th. So the film is called One Big Home and the film was actually released in 2013. So it's been a while. And in brief, it's the story of one town in on Martha's Vineyard um, where one person who was a carpenter who was working on homes that he was seeing were getting bigger and bigger. And it bothered him. He was concerned, even though he was making a lot of money, you know, off of being a part, right? His name is Thomas Benna. And he made a film, it's 12 years in the making. And it is about how he engaged the whole community. And there's a lot of controversy over what should be done and how it should be done. Um, but I won't give away the ending, but, um, you know, how the community built a consensus through debate and discussion and a long process and did make changes to their bylaws um, and their codes to um, put pretty spe specific and significant caps on house size. Um, and I watched the film when I was first kind of coming up to speed on stuff. I think it was 2020. Um, and it was very influential for me. And I reached out to Thomas to tell him I'm just trying to do this in East Hampton and he's been incredibly supportive of what we're doing but importantly very quickly this this film has been screened in other places and it's been so powerful to the to these communities that they've kicked off it's inspired them to kick off their own initiatives every community has to do what's right for their own community and we have a lot of similarities to Martha's Vineyard we're also very different um, but so, it's important to note that it is, um, we're not talking about a suburban environment. We're talking about a resort-based economy. Mm -hmm. yeah. that's it, This is analogous to our own community. So Correct, yeah. it, 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 it's a point, and I think the point that has to be made here that I'm going to make strenuously it is um, something can be done. And we only have a few minutes left, and I really want to let our audience know Jane and Esperanza, when and where is this event going to be taking place? 
And we're going to be promoting this and posting this on our Instagram page. And I'm sure Jane is as well. But Esperanza, this is going to be at the LTV studios. Right? That's correct. Yeah. So LTV studios, which is our local public access uh, station. It's really a terrific place. And uh, Michael Clark is the director there has been doing a lot of great new things and it's going to be Saturday, October 8th. We'll have the screening of One Big Home. And then it's going to be followed by a panel discussion and Q&A with the filmmaker, Thomas Benna. He'll uh, be Zoomed in uh, with the, some special guests accompanying him um, and you know more details to be determined. But that's going to be 4 p.m. Saturday, October 8th, uh, brought to you by... Build in Kind East Hampton and Wayne Scott Heritage Project. That is really fun. I, I'm going to have to get a Zoom link because I'm actually not going to be here. You know, won't be the you, same. You, you, you get committed to an, a, a, a something like this, and the, the schedules never drive. But Jane Maring, uh, Build in Kind East Hampton. Please follow her on Instagram. Like Wayne Scott Heritage Project, it is a less. It is an education in every single post. Um, we may, Esperanza, we may have to invite Jane back. I, I, I think so. Is, I'm feeling I, that same yeah, thing. I'm feeling that also. We we, well, we don't we don't like to go on and on forever on these episodes. We try to keep them somewhat concise. But I do want to wrap up with thanking Jane so much for her time today. And hopefully we're going to bring her back. Thank you. Esperanza, as always, a pleasure. A pleasure. Thank you so much, Jane, and for all Thank you, you do my, my in friends. our community. I'm Thanks. so excited to be able to engage with you, the like-minded. And again, none of us are sitting here saying it's over, right? We are going to be we are all in, Jay. about what we can do. We, yes. are. we, are, we, are, we are. We are all in. in. Devotees. And, Devotees. And, and this is the Mutual Admiration Club. So yeah, absolutely. They, I, I, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of both of you. I'm a huge fan. I'm a super, I told you, I'm a super fan. She, she is a super fan. She's following us, Esperanza. She really is. She's the real deal. Thank you, Jane. Thanks, Esperanza. Thank you, Erwin. Thank you, Esperanza. What a treat. What a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. New episodes of Our Hamptons are released every other Tuesday. Find them wherever you get your podcasts.